How are we doing this morning, church? Doing okay? You've been listening intently. Wouldn't it be good to be in the presence of the Lord? I feel prompted to do something that I've not done in 16, 17 years of ministry. I want to give you freedom. One of the things I feel heavy on my heart is to respect your time. But more important is to respect the work of the Lord in your heart. So I know some have obligations that you need to get to, and we've had a great time lingering in the Lord today. We've almost had about close to an hour already today. But I don't feel the Lord releasing me of cutting the message. Each week I bring you about 30 minutes of God's Word. Pretty good diet. I've asked God to allow me to be a fast food preacher for about five minutes, and that didn't sit well in my heart. I don't know how to do that. So in a moment, I'm going to pray, and in all seriousness, there's some who have some very real obligations. If you need to slip out, I encourage you as I pray, you feel free to slip out and move your obligations. But if you'd like to stay, if you're able to stay, I should say, we want to press in. Carrie, I'm going to have you go let Children's Ministry know we'll be about 15 minutes over. I just don't feel released uh, of sharing what God has on my heart. But if you need to slip out, as I pray, in all seriousness, you feel free. But as we press in together, I don't want to allow a 15-minute thing to take us from what God has. Heavenly Father, Lord, I ask now that you will not allow us just to hear words from a man or from a woman or from an institution. We want to hear from you. So, Lord, I ask that you will open our hearts and minds to hear you clearly today because I believe what you have is transformational for us. So, Jesus, I pray that you'll remove any distraction so we can hear you clearly today. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. Now, I told you we have steak coming. This is really good steak, and I'm going to do my best to engage you and allow you to be engaged by the Word. But there's some good stuff here. We'll be in Philippians 4. In a number of minutes, not too long, in about 26, 27 minutes, I want to pray a prayer with you, for you, and for me. It's based on a truth in God's Word that we're going to look at together. And if the Lord helps me share it, and if the Lord helps you hear it, I believe it could absolutely change your life. Now, I mean that. I don't mean it's just going to help you out. I mean it could transform your life forever. Now, this truth I did not find on my own. I've been a victim of not understanding or not seeing this truth. Uh, before I was in ministry, I was, I was falling subject to this. Uh, after I was called into ministry, I, I fell subject to this as well. But in time, I found a number of years ago, the Lord brought this truth to me and set me free in my heart. The more people that I counsel, the more people that I observe, the more I talk with leaders, the more I talk with people who are new to the church, the more I talk with seasoned Christians. The more I talk with those who have deep relational hurts, the more I talk with those who have all kinds of pain in their life, the more I talk with people who seem to have it all together. There's this common thread that many, many are missing this key truth. I begin to see that you can know the Lord, you can be saved, 
You can be born again. You can have a new heart. You can be filled with the Spirit and still be on the treadmill spiritually, moving, yet you are going nowhere. Because we don't understand, we don't accept, we don't value and attend to this truth that we're going to talk about today. And not just on a weekly basis or a daily basis, but a moment-by-moment basis. As you have Philippians chapter 4 in your hand uh, opened up there, or you've uh, navigated to it in your device, let's look at Philippians chapter 4. Paul is writing some very practical matters, on practical matters, touching on one of the ways to get rid of anxiety. He's talking about worry and the danger of worry and the cure for worry, which I don't want to talk about worry today. I want to talk about the cure of worry, but I want to set the context for us. We need to see this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Look at it with me. Do not be anxious about anything. Now, this original language here, it's it's a strong double negative, which means it could read like this. Do not worry about anything, not even a single thing. So it shows that worry is the opposite of faith, and faith pleases God. And when we worry, it doesn't please God, it displeases God, because He doesn't want His children living in worry. Yet, how many Christians do you know that live a worry-free life? Not, Not that many. And He gives this cure for worry. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, the Scripture says, And with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So what's happening here is, so while you are telling God exactly what you need, mingling this thanksgiving, sprinkling thanksgiving in, it begins to help your faith. So if you're just telling God, I need this, I need this, I need this, and never ever thanksgiving, thanksgiving, or praising Him, you miss out on an opportunity for your faith to be strengthened. But if you mingle this praise in, God will help you see that He has done it before, and He can do it again. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then Paul, he shows the payoff. He says, this is what's going to happen. If you do this, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart. If you do these things, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, beyond all human thought, beyond all human thinking, it has nothing to do with your makeup. It has nothing to do with my makeup. It's not your personality. It's not your background. It's not what you got on the Myers-Briggs test. It's not if you are a, a golden retriever or if you're a, a, a Labrador or whatever, other, if you're a lion or all those other personality tests. It, it's, it's all about God. His supernatural peace, hope, strength that He brings to you If we go to Him. God says, you pray, give me your problems, I will give you peace. Guard your heart. It will guard your heart and your mind as you walk in Christ Jesus. Now Paul goes on to focus on what I want to talk about this morning. So that's the the scene in which Paul gives us this truth that I think will change our life if we listen to it. How do you keep the peace of God? That's how you get the peace of God. I get the peace of God. You get the peace of God by saying, God, here's my problems. I give it to you. And in the midst of Thanksgiving, I give you these problems. And you take the problems and you give me peace. But how do you keep that peace from God? In other words, you've had a breakthrough. You've gotten free from worry. You've, you've brought it to the Lord. But how many of you have found that you've had a breakthrough? You've had some significant spiritual experience. You've had a great devotional time. You've had a great time in worship like we've had this morning. It's been awesome. I mean that. It's been a a sincere time with God. And Jesus lifts our spirit. He blesses our heart. You fly out of the church building and you're praising God. But yet in just a few short hours or a few short days, you start to feel sad. 
You start to feel depressed. You find yourself complaining. You find yourself saying things that you shouldn't be saying. What is happening? What is going on? I was up, and now I feel down. I was just so full of love, and now I find myself speaking about someone who's not present in a way that's not lifting them up. I can find bitterness in my heart. What is going on? I thought God met with me. You did meet with God, friend. You did get a blessing from God. But the secret is not only to meet with God and He gives you peace, but it is to keep the peace that He gives you. In times of devotion, in times of worship, in times of praise, He gives you His peace, but you and I are to keep His peace. The title of this message this morning is, What's on Your Mind? So if I was to ask you, what is on your mind? Some of you may be tempted to give me an answer that's impossible. I know in a room this size, someone would say, nothing. Parents of teenagers, have you ever heard that? What's on your mind? Nothing. How was your day? Fine. What are you thinking about? Nothing. It is absolutely impossible to think about nothing. If, if on the count of three, I go one, two, three, and I would say, don't think about anything, you could not do it. In fact, let's try it. One, two, three. Think about nothing. You can't. Some of you are looking at me. Some of you are looking at your shoes. Some of you are are thinking about the person next to you. Some of you are thinking about a task that's to come. Your mind cannot think about nothing. The mind is like a shark. Sharks never stop. They are always moving. The same is true of your mind. So now Paul gives us the secret how to maintain the peace of God. That's the verses I want us to focus in on. Take your Bible and look with me at Philippians 4, 8, 9. I need to let you know, today's message is not in proportion to the outline. We're going to get uh, point 2, 3, and 4 all like in the last 4 or 5 minutes, okay? So, so don't worry about that. But we're going to look at this verse together, and, and verse 8 and 9 is a key for us. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true... Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. See, God will give you his peace when you pray and you lay down your burdens and give them to him. He'll give you his peace. And then now, the God of peace will be with you. You can keep that peace. How? When you think on these things. When you think on what is true. Well, how do you know if you're thinking on what is true? Well, if you're thinking of the opposite. Well, what's the opposite of true? It's lies. It's things that are false. When you think about things that are not true, when you think about lies or or false things, you, you are not keeping the peace of God. Think on whatever is noble. What's the opposite of noble? ignoble, low, mean, crude. When you think of those things, you're letting go of the peace of God in your life. Whatever is right or just or righteous. Don't think about things that are unjust, unrighteous, that are not right. Whatever is pure, made of one thing, of the Lord. Don't let your mind be filled with impure thoughts. Friend, your mind is going to be filled with something. Don't let it be filled with impurities. That's the danger with our culture and all of the media around us, whether it's digital or in print or video or audio. All these thoughts by a different worldview can lead us to think on things that take us away from the Lord. They are not pure. They're not made of one thing. Now, it's not just this thought that comes into your mind. These thoughts will come knocking at your door. And the problem is not that the thought comes knocking at your door. It's that many of us, we open up the door and the thought comes in and we serve it coffee. And we hang out with the thought. And we say, Come on into the living room and just 
Make yourself at home. In fact, these passerby or thoughts that never even asked to come in, we just say, hey, hey, anybody out there want to come on in? Come on into my brain. Come sit in here and hang out. And we, we entertain all these thoughts that are not true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. And it lets go of the peace of God that's in our life. Whatever is lovely. What's the opposite of lovely? Ugly. Are you thinking ugly thoughts about someone or about something or about yourself? Whatever is admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, think about such things. Think on these things. Now, we've heard this verse over and over and over again. Many of you have taught this verse in Sunday school or in a group or a class or to kids or somewhere. You've seen this over and over. But we are in danger of missing a powerful truth, friend, What's on your mind? What are you thinking about? It affects you greatly. Whatever is praiseworthy. Now that brings us to an interesting point. Praiseworthy brings this question. For every thought in your brain, can you say this to be true about each thought that comes through your mind? Well, this thought, I can praise God with this thought. If I cannot praise God with this thought or that thought, it needs to go. I lose the peace of God in my life if I cannot praise God with the thoughts that are made at home in my brain. Now, what Paul is striking at here is something that eludes many of us. Now it's time for that outline. Go to point number one. Here's the first thing. The power of your thought life. That's what Paul's driving at. Your thought life is powerful. It's powerful. See, the immediacy in which the Father can have access to your life, your thought life is the immediate door opening to your life that the Lord has access through your mind. That's why He's after it. Why? You are what you think. Proverbs 23, 7. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. As he or she thinketh, so she is. What you are thinking is what you become. So to talk in some kind of nebulous, broad, spiritual terms, I give the Lord my heart, I give Him my life, Lord, I want your direction in my life today, yet we open up our mind to any thought that pops in there is absolutely crazy. We fill our mind with craziness. No thought of, should this be in my brain? Would this thought please God? Would this thought help me or benefit me? Do I have to think about this thought? Well, well, Brady, it was true, it happened. Uh, Somebody needs to focus on the problem. Do, do you? Do you have to focus on the problem? Do you, do you have to rehearse it over and over again and again and again? Are, are you the one who's required to mull it over and over and over and over? Do you have to think about it? See, I, I believe we have broken the link that is so obvious. It's true for you and for me. You are every day exactly what you think. Why are people walking around so angry? They're full of angry thoughts. If you open up an angry person's brain, they're not just thinking wonderful, kind thoughts. They're angry, and they're thinking angry thoughts. Someone who is depressing, they are thinking depressing thoughts. Someone who is prideful, they are thinking selfish, pride-filled thoughts. Someone who is thinking immoral, impure thoughts, it comes out they will be living immoral and impure ways. Impure images and thoughts not only have an effect on your mind, it affects and corresponds with the body. It stirs up lusts and desire inside of you. 
when you are thinking and worrying and having anxiety about all the what-ifs in life. And it's not just being concerned. You're fretting over and over and over and over again. Friend, that's going to affect your body. Stress begins to build up. It'll increase your blood pressure. You will have physical problems. Now hear me clearly, friend. I'm not saying there's no such thing as clinical depression. There is a very real clinical depression. And I'm not speaking directly about that this morning. There's very real physical things that happen in your body that, that may not be because of this. But friends, there are so many things that happen because of our thought life. And we are losing the peace of God. People who were born again, who love Jesus, filled with the Spirit, who lead churches, who lead boards, who teach classes. And we are missing out on this. That Jesus says, hey, hey, I will be with you. The God of peace is saying, think on these things. Not like once, all the time. Every thought. That's good. I don't care who you are. That's a good, that's a good thought right there. You and I, friend, we both are exactly what we think. How could I be anything else? How many times have you heard a Christian say, well, I just need to give the Lord my mind today? I don't know that I've heard that very much. We need to hear it more. Lord, I give you my thought. Would you put a guard around my brain today? Lord, I've given you my heart. I've given you my hands. I need to give you my mind. See, the hand only moves where the mind tells it. This just tells you how crazy my mind is. It's saying, do this. I know, it's weird. It just was my brain said to do this. Now, I know you can go to the doctor. You sit up on that bench that's got paper on it, you know, and you sit there and you're kind of uncomfortable. He takes that little hammer and smacks you in the knee. This is this. I know, okay? So there's a few things. It's just a, a knee-jerk reaction. Involuntary. 99% of the things that we are looking at in our world, friend, that affect our life, we are consciously thinking and choosing to do them. It may be for a millisecond. Well, I didn't think about it much. It's been a pattern of how I have thought about that person, a pattern of how I thought about leadership, a pattern of how I thought about myself, a pattern of how I thought about that action, a pattern of how I procrastinated, or whatever it may be. And it is a thought in a millisecond. It is having an impact on my life for eternity. Why do people act proud and boast? Because they have proud and boastful thoughts. It wasn't just all of a sudden it dawned on them that the most amazing thing in the world. They've been thinking about it for a long time. We fight this action of pride or of lust or of, of worry or anxiety, but yet we don't attack the thought which is at its root. See, if my thinking does not th- change, if your thinking does not change, how could our actions change? We say, oh God, deliver me from this. Oh God, deliver me from that. But then I open the door of my mind and think about all kinds of garbage. I am speaking about immorality in in pornographic images, yes, but don't limit it to that. This is far more than just a lustful sexual message on your mind. This is about all the grievances that have been done wrong against you. This is about all the preferences that didn't go your way. This is about all the unfair things that's taken place. This is about all the corrections that you seem to be made. All these things you focus on over and over and over. And, and, and it is draining the peace of God in you. I'm not asking you to change so you make life better for me or someone else around you. For you, the peace of God. It's like the woman in her 70s who's dwelling on the abuse day after day after day from when she was a teenager thinking about the thoughts of bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness. And guess what? She's full of bitterness, resentment, rage, and unforgiveness. I asked permission from uh, uh, one of our senior adults who met me right here after first service. 
I said, I won't use your name, but can I have permission to share this? He said, absolutely. He said, Pastor Brady, I want to be a chain breaker. Everybody's hurt me, and I know they hurt me because they were hurt. And I get so worked up about it. I'm so angry about it. I'm so mad about it. I'm just going to hurt someone else. God helped his thoughts. He broke the chain today, and healing came, and the peace of God was not only there for a moment, he can live with it if he allows God to change his thinking. Romans 1.21, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Tell me your thoughts don't matter. People who live and do dirty things have dirty thoughts. People who are critical and are negative have critical and negative thoughts. People who think all the time, they don't like me. They're judging me. They don't care about me. It's not fair. I'm always left out. I'm so alone. Friend, what is on your mind? Now, all that may be true. I'm not trying to make light of your situation. If we had time to start over here and go all the way down the row and listen to the hurts and pains that everybody had, everybody is carrying their own bag of rocks. If you haven't figured that out yet, friend, you're going to learn it. Everybody's got their own bag of rocks. I'm not trying to make light of it. But if we focus in on all those things, true or untrue, we are forfeiting the peace of God that he brings. Well, Well, Pastor Brady, it's true, and I have the right to think about it. Yes, you do. But just know the price that you're paying. Jesus is telling us through Paul's writings, when we choose to focus on what is true, what is noble, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable, when we think on these things that are praiseworthy, the God of peace is with us. He guards our heart and our mind. There is the secret. There is the hope to keeping peace. I don't have to be on the treadmill spiritually. I run, but I don't feel like I get anywhere. Most of the time, the things that we think are true are really not all that accurate about ourselves anyway. Friend, I hate to burst your bubble, but the rest of the world does not spend every hour of their day thinking about you that sometimes the way you and I may think they do. They may not have even noticed what you are so offended by. I'm not trying to put salt in the wound. I'm trying to say, let Jesus change your thinking to change the peace in your heart. Romans 12, 2. Don't conform to the way the world does it, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve God's will, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Second, once we see the power of our thought life, now it's going to get going fast, so speed up your listener, okay? Number two, we see here the need for a new mind. Well, this is powerful. I, I need a change. I need something new. Titus 1.15, to the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. Even their mind and conscience are defiled. We need a new mind. Many of us, if we get real honest, at night we lay down and we go to bed and we play these DVDs in our mind over and over and over and over. Rehearsing the hurts of the day, of the week, of the month, of the year. The injustice of the decade. The tragedy of our lifetime. Over and over and over. And guess what? The next day you wake up and you find that very same pain in somebody new. Because you're focusing on it again and again and again and again. Why? You dwell on it. There's a place 
for us to look through our past and allow the Lord to bring healing. I'm not saying we should never ever reflect. I'm saying when we live in it and we think on these things, Paul is telling us, and Jesus inspired this, think on these things, not those things, these things. Why? The God of peace will be with you when you do that. 1 Corinthians 2.16 tells us we can be renewed and have the mind of Christ. What? For who has known the mind of the Lord? Who can instruct Him? Who knows everything that God thinks? But, verse 16 says, we can have the mind of Christ. We can think the thoughts that Christ gives us. In John, Jesus says, if you remain in me and I remain in you, I'm going to tell you, Jesus says, all the things the Father tells me. When He tells you, you're going to think about it. You're going to think about His things. It will renew your mind. Who cares? You'll have peace. Well, I already had some at church. And it drains out by the time you get to your car. Someone's going to find out tomorrow their car won't start. I had that last week. Oh, the wonderful thing. If, if you let your peace be determined on the circumstances or how things go for you, you're just not going to have any. But the God of peace will be with you when you allow him to change your thoughts. We're going to talk about that in just a second. That's why Paul says, if you really want to change, if you really want to keep the peace of God, then think on these things. That's verse 8 and 9. Now, here's some practical things. In rapid fire, we're going to look at three and four together. Uh, Number three, what are we to do? There's two options. Only two. You want three? No. Two. Just two. You will do one of these two. Some of you are going, I want to do the third one. Nope. You will do one of these two. Watch, watch. One of them's good. One of them's bad. Here's the first option. It's good. You will either evaluate your thought, and after you evaluate it, then you can reject it. Well, when do you reject it? You reject it if it doesn't meet the qualifications of Philippians 4, 8. What is that? What you're thinking about. Is it true? Is it noble? Is it right? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it admirable? Is it excellent? My favorite. Is it praiseworthy? You really want to know if you should be thinking about it? Could you take that thought unedited and say, I'm going to praise God with this? Well, no. I don't even want to say it out loud. Some of us, we just wash our hands so much and say, you should be proud that I just didn't do it. You should be proud that I just edited it in my thoughts. God says, no. Your actions overflow from your heart, which comes from what you dwell on in your mind. Let me change and wash and renew your mind. It will free you. You will have the peace of God there with you. When you evaluate it, you can reject it if it doesn't meet those qualifications. How? How do you reject it? 2 Corinthians 10, 5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Well, what's the point of that? This doesn't just happen. You won't just, whoops, <laughs> I just kind of changed my thought. Oh, there it is again. I just kind of made, you, you will take, it'll be on purpose. You don't just stumble on this. You take the thought captive. Here's what will happen. Satan will say, they did it again. You have asked them over to your house six times, and they've not asked you over to your house one time. It is not fair. What they said about you is a falsehood. It is not true. They're lying about you. What you were given is not even close to what they were given. And they're complaining. And here, your lot in life was so worse than theirs. He will tell you all these things that could, (laughs) yeah, rile you up, get you upset. The boss noticed their work. I'm the one who gave him the idea. And he or she is taking all the credit. 
I have loved my kids, sacrificed for my kids, given them everything, and they act as if they don't care at all. Friend, all these things may be true. But if it's not something you can use to praise God with, you need to reject it. No, no, no. I'm not saying you make these things and just pretend like they're not there. What do you do when Kathy sat right here? And she said to me, she has so much to praise God for. And she's sending her husband off to heaven this week. Is she just ignoring the pain and grief in her heart? No. She's saying the grief is real. The loss is real. It hurts. I'm going to miss him. But even in this, my Jesus is faithful. And she's saying, in this, I can take this and I can praise Jesus with it. Am I allowing him to change the way I think about these problems or not? If I evaluate it, I can reject it. And then what do I do? Replace it. If it doesn't keep your mind fixed on God, Isaiah 26.3. Isaiah 26.3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. If the thought is not keeping you fixed on Jesus, fixed on God, replace the thought with something that does. But it's not wrong for me to, it, it may not be, it may be permissible, but how's that working for you? Angry thoughts make you angry. Thoughts of injustice make you bitter. Allow Jesus to replace that thought. If you can't think of on it and stay focused on God, then allow Him to replace it. Start thinking about Him. Now, here's the second option. That's the first one. You'll only do that one or this one. You try three. Won't work. You'll do this one. Okay? Second option is you won't evaluate it. Either you'll evaluate your thought or you won't evaluate your thought. If you don't evaluate your thought, you will, make no mistake, you will, in time, accept it. And you will have an appetite created for it. Your thoughts left unchecked will grow in you. The seeds planted will create an appetite for that subject. If it's injustice, you'll begin to hunger to talk about your injustice. It's almost like you just love it. Uh, No matter how much you think it won't happen to you or it doesn't happen to you, it does. You'll only begin to see that, that that thought will grow in your life and an appetite for it will eventually grow. And often, not always, often it will lead to an action on that thought. See, nothing will stay in your mind forever. It will work its way into your actions. And then, often, not always, often, you will find it will lead to sin. It will lead to the sin of jealousy, the sin of slothfulness, the sin of bitterness, the sin of a get-even spirit, the sin of pride, the sin of lust, the sin of worry. Sin of worry. Kind of like that one. Friend, when you and I worry, we're saying God's not trustworthy. Now, there's a difference between concern and worry. That's a whole other sermon. I'm concerned about things that I can still actively do something about. But once I've done everything I can do, and I've done everything I can, when I continue to fret on it, I worry and worry saying, God, you're not big enough, you're not trustworthy, it's not enough. And when I'm in that place, it can, it can bring a, a distance in my relationship with the Lord. And left unchecked, they allow the enemy to gain a stronghold. And this sin, repeated over and over, gives the enemy a stronghold. What's a stronghold? This is not some kind of mystical, weird thing. This is a very real, tangible war tactic of Satan in your life. A stronghold is a place of occupancy and influence that the enemy possesses in your life. If you give him real estate, you give him an address in your mind and say, Satan, you can have this, he will take it up and he will use it to reinforce his battle against you every single day. That stronghold will be there, that 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 encampment of his troops 
fighting against the things of God in your life will be there when you give him that real estate in your mind over and over and over. As we come to a close this morning, I, I want to ask you, what is on your mind? Nothing. Yeah, there is. You're thinking about something. Have you had the peace of God lately? Are you keeping the peace of God? Now, here's what I'm going to ask us to do. If you'll stand with me in just, just a minute, we'll be heading a different direction. In some ways, this message is for all of us. And I believe in many ways it is. But there's some of us here today, you say, hey, this is for me. In a minute, I'm going to give us an opportunity as I pray this prayer for you and for me and with you, we'll pray together. That's how we started this thing. We're going to be asking God to take the things that, that concern us. And as he exchanges those for his peace, we're going to ask him to help us keep the peace by changing our mind and helping us stay focused on him. And some of us, we may need to come. I would encourage you to come and we're going to pray together. Here's what Satan will do. I hate it in a message like this. Satan will get some good Christian who the Lord is highlighting an issue in their thoughts and they'll go, oh, that's me. I got bad thoughts. Oh, I, I've been thinking negative. I've been worrying. Oh, it hurts my legs. I can't go any farther down. I, I, I should have done more squats. I'd like to sit on the ground. Oh, oh, pastor, I'm just so, oh. I'm so. That's what Satan wants you to do. Think about, oh, how bad you are or how bad your mind. You know where the victory is? Let him replace it now. Well, I don't have the strength. No, you don't. Well, I don't know if I can do it. I know you can't. It's daily, moment by moment, saying, Jesus, take that thought. Give me a new one. Oh, it made me mad. Take this one, God. Give me a new one. Somebody's life will change today. My friend, who I didn't get permission to share his name, but one of our senior adults stood right here and he said, Pastor Brady, generation after generation after generation after generation, People have hurt someone, and they hurt the next person, and they hurt the next person, and, and they've hurt me. And I don't want to keep hurting that person because I focus on it. In Scripture, Peter and John were amazed when they healed the man at the temple gates because he was 40 years old. You know what that means? He was old, and nobody expects anything brand new to happen to someone old. God is moving in every generation. I asked him, I said, do you think this is something you can only learn in your 20s? He goes, I sure hope not. I won't try to guess his age. He's not in his 20s. There's hope for you and for me today. If God's speaking to you, we're going to do something different, Pastor Edgar. You can sing in a minute, but we're not going to sing right now. If God's speaking to you, we're not going to have a song. I'm not going to have this long thing. If you want special prayer, you just come right now. Don't wait for anybody else. Come. We're going to pray right now. Just come, and we're going to pray together. Don't be ashamed. You, you want freedom? You want hope? You want the, the peace of God to be with you? It's not because you're a horrible person. Satan is bombarding every mind in this room. And you're saying, this is for me today. Uh, I need Jesus to help me take my thought captive today. I love Jesus. I'm saved. I'm, I'm sanctified holy. I'm a leader. I'm a teacher. But I need the peace of God with me all the time. If that's you, come. We're going to pray together. It's for all of us in many ways. But for some of us, it's for you specifically. You need this moment. When your brain will see you kneeling before God, giving him your problem, he gives you peace, and then he's going to redirect your mind, and you'll see the peace of God go with you all throughout this day and all throughout the next day. And it shows a pattern of how we live.
Now, in just a moment, we're going to pray. If you know one of these people personally, I want you to come and pray with them. If you don't know them personally, then just pray from them from a distance. If you know them personally, okay? We don't need to hang on anybody or like, you know, like, like lay on their shoulder. Just put, put your hand on their shoulder. Give them a little bit of space. We're going to pray together. If you would like to pray for yourself, you come with these. But there's going to be some good stuff here. Eternal stuff here. If you'd like to pray, and there's no more room at the altar, these, uh, these front rows will clear that off. You can, you can sit there if you can't kneel. If you need to pray there, that's fine. If you're at your seat and you know how to pray, I want you to pray right now. You join in with me. Jesus, I thank you for your truth that you first gave through Paul to the church in Philippi. These Philippians who needed the the secret, the cure for worry, the cure for anxiety. Jesus, I lift up my brothers and sisters to you right now. They look pretty human to me. There's things that weigh on them. Relationships, finances, health, self-esteem, purpose. They're needing specific direction in their life. They feel like you're so silent, God. The pain of the injustice, the abuse, the wrongs that's happened to them over and over again. And Jesus, we right now, we bring them to you. We bring all of our petition to you, God. Our request to you right now. And in the midst of this pain, we want to try to be obedient and thank you. As Kathy did today, in her grief, it seems strange, but God, even in our grief and our pain and our loneliness and our lack of direction, you are faithful. You reign, God. You are in charge of all the universe. The mountains bow down and will praise you. The trees will clap their hands and praise you. Jesus, you are worthy to be praised. We give you thanksgiving. Help us, God, get our eyes off of just our problem a little bit onto you. And right now, Jesus, I ask that you make good on your word again. With all the confidence in my body, I know that you're going to make good on this. This is your word, not mine. You said when we bring them to you, you will take every care and concern, and you will give us peace. So right now, friend, at the altar, I want you to imagine in your mind's eye that you're laying down that burden, that thing, right there on the wood of that altar, and you're going to let go. Jesus is going to scoop it up and take it. And he's going to put in your hand... He's going to place in your heart his peace. It's not my idea. This isn't Oprah's idea. This isn't some kind of self-help talk or just think positive. This is Jesus Christ, the Word, who was there at the beginning, who would speak things into creation. He's going to create hope and healing into you today. As you receive that peace, Jesus wants to seal that peace, cement that peace, nail down that peace in your heart, that the God of peace will go with you. And so in the next six hours, when the enemy is, is so mad that you got victory today, he's going to try to get you to get on that treadmill, and he's going to try to say, well, think on this, think on that. So right now, I encourage you, brothers and sisters, at the altar, at the seats, if you're standing, if God's speaking to you, tell him right now, Jesus, I, I want you to take my mind. I confess, Jesus, I'm not even sure 
which knocks to answer at the door of all the thoughts that I'm bombarded with. Lord, I don't want to stuff the pain, ignore the pain, but I don't want to wallow in it either. Would you help me take my thought captive and make it subject to you, Jesus? Would you speak truth to those thoughts right now? Lord, I ask that you'll make good on your word again, that you'll build a hedge of protection. You will guard their heart and their mind as they walk in Jesus. So, friend, right now I want you to imagine Jesus has not only given you his peace, he's nailed it down in your heart as you give him every thought, that peace will go with you day in and day out. There'll be bad things, I promise. Tomorrow will probably be a really bad day, to be honest. It's probably going to be a horrible day. But the peace of God will be with you. It's going to be bigger and better than what kind of apathy comes your way. Bigger and better than what kind of resistance the enemy wants to bring your way. And you will begin to see, oh my goodness, this changes everything. Heavenly Father, I think in this room, probably in 100 years, we're all dead and gone. Would you give us perspective that these things that eat our lunch are so minuscule compared to all eternity. I thank you, Jesus, for the peace, the eternal peace, the supernatural peace that you're bringing right now. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. Church, you have been so attentive to his word today. As you take off, I want to encourage you to allow those who are praying to stay as long as they'd like. You feel free to hang out as long as you'd like. If you need to go, I encourage you to go and think about Him. Be mindful of what's on your mind. May God bless you. Thanks again for your strong attention to His Word. You're dismissed.